Thank you, Dave. Welcome to Christmas at New Hope. Glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we've been in a series of messages talking about some of the great Bible doctrines of Christmas. We began by taking a look at the virgin birth and just how, how essential that is. Because if Jesus is not virgin born, he's not God. And if he's not God, we're lost. He can't save us. Then we took a look at the blood atonement. Because the blood is all over the Christmas story. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you can just see the blood all through the coming of Christ. God with us. Last week we took a look at the inspiration of Scripture. How the things that were done more than once it said this was done to fulfill the words that the prophets said. The word of God, you can trust it. And the story of the birth of Christ and all the prophecies that were fulfilled, the mathematical odds that we took a look at last week, just prove that the scriptures are trustworthy. And now today we conclude the series by talking about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. I thought for a minute Larry was going to preach my sermon, but he, 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 he set it up well. Timing is important. The timing on the engine of your car is off just a little bit. It's not going to perform very well. It's not going to run well if it runs at all. Timing is important to a major league baseball player. When he goes to the plate to bat, and he's facing a pitcher that throws 100 miles an hour, if his timing is off even a little bit, he's probably going to miss the pitch or hit it so weakly that he's going to be an easy out. Timing is important to an NFL quarterback because if his timing is off just a little bit, he may throw the ball too soon and be out ahead of the receiver and it be incomplete. Or he may throw it behind the receiver where it's picked off for an easy interception and run in for a touchdown. Timing is very important. And so the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4 writes these words. Galatians 4 and verse 4. When the time had fully come. When the time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. King James Version says, when the fullness of time had come. In other words, when God's master plan and the timing was exactly right, God sent his son, Christ Jesus, to this world. When that little baby was born in Bethlehem, laid in that feeding trough, because that's what a manger is, God was in control of that. God was calling all the shots because he is sovereign. God was carefully orchestrating every single detail. Nothing escaped his notice. He was the reason for the birth. Everything that was happening in the Christmas story was going according to the sovereign plan of an almighty God. And there are some great lessons that you and I can learn from the sovereignty of God. Here's the first one. God's in control. I don't have to work everything out. God's in control. I don't have to work everything out. In Matthew 1 verse 19, 
It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, you know the backstory to that. When Joseph finds out that his betrothed one, Mary, is, is now expecting a child, he knows he's not the father. He, he comes up with a plan to get himself out of it and to avoid all, as much public exposure that he can. So he had a plan to work things out for himself. He'd figured out a way to cover it all up, clean it all up, fix it up, and avoid a lot of embarrassment for everyone concerned. But what Joseph didn't realize is that God is a sovereign God, and God had already planned to take care of it all. He didn't need Joseph to work anything out. So here's Joseph. He's already thinking, what can I do? How can I make things right? And God is saying, Joseph, I've got it all under control. I've got this. I'm on my throne. You don't have to work it out. And yet I wonder how many times you and I are like Joseph. And we think God needs a little bit of help. You know, I, I, better, I better do this. I better do that. I, I've got to help God work this out. And I've got to make this work. I've got to make these phone calls. I've got to arrange these meetings. I've got to see these people. I've got to set all this stuff up. And all the while, God is trying to tell us, would you just relax? I've got this. I'm on my throne. I'm in control. You see, the sovereignty of God means God is in charge. I don't have to work everything out. In fact, every time you and I try to get in there and help God out and make things better, we make things worse. We make a mess of things. And God says, listen, just trust in my sovereignty. I don't need your help. So we just need to trust him. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 28, we know that in how many things? All things. God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Do you live that? How many worry warts we got? You see, God is in control. You can trust him. You may not understand how he's working everything out for your good, but guess what? You don't have to understand that part. Just trust that he is. And you know why you can't figure everything out? It's because you're not God. Praise God. Right? You're not God. And one of the greatest things you'll ever realize is God is God and I'm not. In fact, we've got God's own testimony on this. In Isaiah 55 verse 8, God says, My thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God doesn't think the way that you and I think. And one of the greatest discoveries you'll ever make is to realize that you are made in the image of God. God is not made in the image of you. Now, you need to remember that. And, and, and that may mess up some of your theology. But God is nothing like you. You are made in His image, but He's nothing like us. He doesn't think like we think. And He says our ways are not His ways. He doesn't do things the way that you and I would do them. So do you get the picture here of why we get so frustrated at times when we can't piece everything together? He, he doesn't think like we think. He doesn't do things like we, like we would do them. 
In fact, Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. So we can never understand how God works or how he thinks. We just need to trust in his sovereignty. And the Christmas story teaches us that God is in charge. He's in control. I don't have to work it all out. But you may think, well, well then what do I do when bad things happen? What do I do when someone that I love dies? What do I do when I lose my job? What do I do when the whole world comes crashing down on me? You trust in the sovereignty of God. It's easier said than done. And I know that's hard, but that's what we're to do. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 15, He's the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. We can trust him. There's no one like him. He's in charge. I don't have to work everything out. God's got this, and we can learn that from the Christmas story. Here's the second thing. God's in control, so I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. You can read in Luke 1, verse 26 through 35, where the angel Gabriel comes to, to Mary and tells her she's going to bear the Son of God. Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, in that passage in Luke 1, 26 through 35, I think the key verse is verse 29, where it says, Mary was greatly troubled. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. How would you feel if an angel appeared in your bedroom and all of a sudden said, greetings? What are you going to do when you come to your senses? I doubt if anybody here would say, well, bless your heart. Praise God. How are you today? Uh, no, uh, I... I think we would respond quite differently. You'd be greatly troubled, just like Mary. In fact, the whole Christmas story is full of people that I think you could say were greatly troubled. Any person that you point to, they were a person that had a reason to worry about something or get upset about something. I mean, when Mary finds out she's pregnant, when Joseph finds out his fiancée is pregnant and knows he had nothing to do with it, the shepherds, when that great light shines around them and they were sore afraid, as the King James Version says, everyone was troubled. How about the innkeeper? Which, by the way, the Bible never mentions there's an innkeeper. We assume there was one since there was no room for them in the inn, but that word for inn can simply mean the guest room of someone's house. It doesn't mean a commercial inn like it was in the story of the good Samaritan who took the man to an inn and told the innkeeper to take care of him. But if there were an innkeeper, do you think that Mary and Joseph were the only people that knocked on his door and got turned away that night? Bethlehem was jam-packed with everybody coming back to register for this census. Why, Joseph and Mary may have been the hundredth people that got turned away. I think it's amazing that they were probably directed to someone stable to give birth to the child. And all I'm saying is that there were all kinds of people in this story that could say, listen, you don't know what I'm going through. In fact, let me say this. There's not a person in this auditorium this morning 
They can't justify worry in their own life. Every one of you could sit there today and say, well, listen, preacher, I know about those people, but here's what I'm facing. I've got reason to worry. Do you? Can I give you one reason why you shouldn't? The sovereignty of God. He's on his throne. He's in control. I don't have to worry, and neither to you. He is the sovereign God. Scholars have counted. I personally haven't counted them all myself. But scholars tell us that there are 365 times in the Bible where it says, fear not, or don't be afraid. 365 times. Now, does that number 365 ring a bell? Before our calendars were ever invented or thought of, before we ever had a a calendar on our watch or anything like that, God had already put it in his word once for every day of the year, fear not, don't be afraid. And it's in the Christmas story at least three times. In Luke 1.30, the angel tells Mary what's going to happen. The angel says, don't be afraid, fear not. In Matthew 1.20, the angel comes to Joseph after he's already scared to death about what he's going to do. The angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid, fear not. And those shepherds out on the hillside, they had that huge light come, terrified them, scared them to death. And the angel comes and says what? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. So God's in control. We don't have to worry. Here's the third lesson. God cares So I don't have to wonder what he's doing. He cares. There's a phrase I think that could have been used in the Christmas story over and over again. It's not in the Greek text. It's not in your versions of the Bible. But it's a phrase that uh, comes out of our culture that some of us probably use quite often. It's the phrase, what in the world? How many of you use that phrase? Okay, we do. But I think, I think that could have been used a lot, even though the scriptures don't record it. When the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, tells her what's going to happen, do you think she wondered in her mind, what in the world? And Joseph, when, when Joseph was told by Mary that, you know, I'm pregnant, but it's none of the other guys from Nazareth, Joseph. It's God. This is a holy thing. This is a sacred thing. So trust me. Do you think Joseph thought, what in the world? And the shepherds out there with that surprise visit from the angel and the bright light, do you think they thought, what in the world? Well, let me tell you, we don't have to wonder, what in the world is God doing? We don't have to say that. And the reason is, because I already know what God is doing. And you should know that too. The scripture tells us what he's doing. In Psalm 135, verse 6, it says, The Lord does whatever pleases him. How's that for an answer? God's doing whatever he wants to do, folks. And it's going to be for your good and for his glory. He does whatever he pleases. And that could be scary to us unless we know the character of God. And we know his character, that he's working things out for our good. So you don't have to look at your life or business or children or your relationships or your problems or whatever and say, what in the world is God doing? You trust in his sovereignty, that he's doing things that will work out for your good and his glory, 
You don't have to sweat the small stuff. You don't have to sweat the big stuff because of the sovereignty of God. He cares. And I don't have to worry about what he's doing. And here's the fourth and final lesson this morning. God sets the course. And I don't have to wait. He sets the course. I don't have to wait. You know, through the years of being a preacher, I see people that sit on the sidelines of Christianity. They've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. They've been immersed into him and and they're, they're a part of the church, and then they just go over and sit on the bench. They sit on the sidelines. They never get in the game. They never get involved. They never find a place to serve. They just kind of sit and kind of watch. And you want to say to them, what are you waiting for? Get in the game. Some people say, well, when, when we get the house built, when we get the kids through college, when... when, when and when never comes. All those things they say, after this, then I will. No, it never happens. Get involved today. Do something today. Get in the game. You know, there's some significant decisions that are going to face all of us as we enter into the new year of 2024. I can't believe I'm saying that, that this year has gone by so fast again. But please realize, this is not a dress rehearsal, folks. This is life. This is it. The songwriter said it well. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so we need to be making our lives count right now to realize God is at work right now. And so we don't have to wait for him to do something special. He's already done it. Luke 2, verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Christ the Lord. Today, the angel said, not tomorrow, not next week, next month, five years from now, whatever, not when you get everything put together or paid off and then God's going to do something special. No, it's already happened. The angel said, today it has happened. God's working right now. He's working in your life even while we're sitting here in worship. Working on your life, working on mine. And you can just look back at the Christmas story and see God's will unfolding there in Bethlehem. But sometimes it's really difficult to see how it's unfolding in our own lives in the present, isn't it? I understand that. Why is that? I'll tell you why it is. It's because if God told us everything ahead of time, how it was all going to work out, we wouldn't like it. We wouldn't. Let me give you an example. Imagine that God's will is like a giant cafeteria, and God is serving. And you're walking down the line, and God dishes out to you an automobile accident. And you say, oh, no, no, I don't believe we're going to have one of those this year. And God says, oh, but, but here's how my will is going to be worked out in your life through this automobile accident. No, 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 no. And we're not going to have any of that. You walk a little further and he hands you the loss of a job. No, I don't want any of that. Not this year. Oh, but you don't understand. This is how God's going to perform his will in your life. No, no, no. We're going to pass on that. You see, if God told us ahead of time 
none of us would choose what he chooses for us to be what he wants us to be. Proverbs 20, 24 says, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? And the answer is you can't. God's directing your steps, and his ways aren't my ways. His thoughts aren't my thoughts, but he always works it out in some way where it's for my good because he's already set a course for my life. He's already set a course for your life. And you don't have to sit on the sidelines waiting to get into the game. Get in now. Our lives have been compared to the baking of a cake, that a cake is good when all the ingredients have been properly mixed together and baked the right length of time. But how many of us would want to eat the ingredients individually? I'm going to invite you over to my house, Jim Kelly, and I'm going to give you a nice bowl of flour to eat. And Gloria, I'm going to give you a bowl of raw eggs. No, none of us wants to eat those things because they don't taste good individually. Have a big swig of vanilla, you know. But you, those ingredients, when you put them all together, they can make an incredibly delicious dessert. And God's doing that in your life and mine. And if some of you were honest this morning, you could probably look back on your life at some of the worst things that that have ever happened to you in your life, and you might now say, you know, that really turned out pretty good. And that was one of the best things that happened to me in my life. God used that to bring me to where I am today. Because God has set a course for your life and mine. And we don't have to wait to see it fulfilled. All we have to do is rest in His sovereignty. He's in control. He's got this. And one of the great Bible doctrines of Christmas is that God is a sovereign God. He had it worked out before he created the heavens and the earth. He already had it planned. And in his sovereignty, in his time, when the fullness of time had come, he brought it all about. So he's in charge. I don't have to work everything out, he's in control. I don't have to worry. He cares. So I don't have to wonder, what in the world is he doing? And he sets the course. So I don't have to wait. So this morning, what are you waiting on? This morning, I want to encourage you, as you look at the story of Christmas, and how God became flesh and dwelt among us, I encourage you to trust in His sovereignty. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of decision. If you have a decision to make, if you've never accepted God's greatest gift to you, the gift of His Son, what better time than to do it today? Don't sit on the outside looking in. Get involved today. Accept Christ today if you need to do that. And if you need to know how to do that, you step out and come down and meet me down front and we'll get together and we'll lead you through what the scripture says you need to do to accept Jesus. Let's stand and sing.